Welcome to my world. I'm your host, Kevin Rutherford. It is Monday, January 22nd. We are here live. It is a free-for-all this first half hour. Jump in and join us. Phone lines are open right now. We'll get to those calls here pretty quickly. The number to join us, 319-527-6791. Phones are open. You can also hit the dial now button on your app. That will get you in here as well. We'll get to those calls in just a little bit. We uh, we are bringing back one of my uh, favorite shows. We haven't done it in quite some time, but we'll be doing it uh, just about a half hour here at the bottom of the hour. Brent Hutto from truckstop.com will be joining me for Rates and Lanes. Talk about what's going on. I think... Um, I think there's going to be a lot going on in rates moving forward. A lot of things to pay attention to. I think we're going to start to see some things change. Um, Not necessarily good or bad. I think there's just going to be a lot of mixed data. So it's something we want to get back to keeping an eye on. So we'll do that today. Jump in and join us when he gets here. We could also take some calls if you've got questions about uh, the data or anything about trucks.com. Com. Brett and I will take some calls together if he's got time. Um, I don't know about anybody else, uh, but I'm kind of tired of the bad weather. We normally do not get this kind of crazy winter weather, and we are we're going on about 10 days now where the weather has been a huge factor. Like, we've had no pickups at our warehouse at all. Um, we've been trying to get people into the warehouse to stay on top of orders, uh, for several days, we just could not get into the parking lot or into the building. They did plow the parking lot early on, but the building, there was a big drift in front of our garage door that turned into solid ice. We couldn't open uh, the man door to get into the building without breaking up a lot of thick ice. It has just been an absolute mess here. Really, really cold temperatures. But even we were having freezing rain, even when it was really cold, which was kind of bizarre. So we would get some snow, then it would start to rain, then it would freeze again, then we'd get more snow. And we just have this, it's like lasagna out there. There's so many layers. And at one point, there was probably almost two feet of stuff on the ground. I don't even know what to call it. Frozen stuff. And you could walk on the top of this two feet and not even leave a mark. Now, you could also fall on your ass. I did. Uh, I'm still hurting from a fall I took. So that's what we've been dealing with. We still are. There is still a lot of snow and ice on the ground, and it's been raining for about the last 24 hours. It's just a light drizzle but it is just a sloppy mess out there Uh, we're in the warehouse today i'm not sure if anybody's going to be picking up or delivering yet we will see how that goes a couple things i want to talk about um you know another story of the current fmca administrator um i almost couldn't remember her name hutchison robin hutchison um she has resigned her post and she will be leaving the agency at the end of this week um you know if you look at the history of the fmcsa it is an absolute mess uh 
I'm trying to remember when the FMCSA was formed. Early? No, why can't I remember that? It hasn't been around that long. Uh, I thought I had an article here about it, but uh, I can't seem to find it right now. Um, I think we've had six or seven administrators, if that sounds right. Uh, Everything this agency touches is a total disaster. I mean, not just a little bit wrong. How do you remember what their initials stand for? Federal Motor Carrier Safety Administration. That's their sole responsibility. You know that phrase, you had one job? Their job is safety. They created a big, complicated safety audit program that was supposed to make the highways and the streets so much safer. And now, a decade later, we find out about 6% of carriers have been through that process. That is such an abysmal failure. How do we allow that kind of incompetence to go on? Why are we paying for this big, expensive administration when that's the kind of results we get? The drug testing program is a mess and could be run so much better. The sleep apnea program is nothing but a big money grab by the pharmaceutical and medical companies. I can't think of a single thing that the FMCSA does even remotely close to being considered competent. Nothing they do well. What an absolute mess. So now we'll go through another uh, interim administrator, probably. Um, we're in an election year, so my guess is they, they probably just won't um, permanently assign somebody at all. You know, the, the bigger problem here is all of these government alphabet agencies. All of them need to be looked at. Most of them should be eliminated completely. They should just not even exist, except this is a new one, you know, fairly new as far as the government goes. And we give them so much power. And then what we see is no, no consistency at all very incompetent and then it turns over every time an election changes and we start all over and we go through more incompetence what a mess um it really is so i don't know what's going to happen with that but don't expect uh, anything good coming out of the fmcsa anytime soon i never did find my statistics on maybe i'll find it here um Something else I'm just keeping an eye on because our economy is still kind of teetering. You know, there are lots of signs that we are in an absolute recession. We have been. There are signs that inflation is still extremely high. And it, it like most statistics, depends on how it gets reported. But I think that inflation is worse than what they are talking about. And yet, the stock market is still setting records. Um, now we've got another inflationary problem going on, and it is the Red Sea. The spot rate on moving containers, shipping containers through the Red Sea is now at an all-time high if you take away that little COVID fiasco. 
We had real problems with containers during COVID, and that drove the rates through the roof, which COVID was the, the real kickoff of all, our, all of our inflation, by the way. We, we should not have been coming into an inflationary cycle like this, except for COVID and all the goofy government spending and the shutdowns. And, uh, but right now, we are looking at the highest spot market container rates in the Red Sea ever, other than that little COVID blip. Uh, that's going to have a big impact on our economy in a lot of ways. So we'll keep an eye on that as well. Uh, what else did I have? That might have been it. Um, I had a couple other things I was going to talk about, but we'll get to the calls. Brent Hutto will be joining us here in about uh, 20 minutes to see what is going on with rates and lanes. Let's get started on the calls today. We're going to go to Wyoming. Tom, welcome. Yeah, good morning, Kevin. Hey, I'm uh, I'm sort of shocked that you're shocked that there's a government agency that's uh, that's uh, incompetent. You know, I know I talk about how incompetent the government is, and, and part of it is just by design and part of it because there's no real accountability. Um, there, I, I can't think of a single business that if you took their most important metric and measured it and you were less than 10% effective, that, that business would never, ever exist. You know, I can remember when... <laughs> When I was, you know, contracted to FedEx for years, one of the biggest metrics they would measure what's important to them. It's important to them to get packages to people on time. That, that's their mission. So they would monitor that closely. Everybody in management knew that number down to the 10th. And it was always in the mid to high 90s. You know, 96, 97. Sometimes you'd hit 98. You'd celebrate. And I used to think, Man, you know, that's that's pretty incredible, really, when you think about it. With all the packages that get moved, that that many are on time, and they fight for every tenth of a percentage point to make it better. And on the flip side, we have a government that inverted that. That 93 or 94 percent of the job never gets done. But And it's that's a, their it, single it, most it. important metric. They're there for safety, and they completely fail. I, like I said, I've, I've always been against a lot of government agencies and programs. Government's way too big. This one is so bad, it, it's hard to even imagine. Just egregious. It, it's failing upward, The whole, the, every, everyone in government. Um, hey, I'm looking forward to hearing from Brett. Uh, that's been a long time. I like what he has to say. Um, I'm going to probably lose you, and I got, I've got like a cornucopia of stuff. What was the most important? Uh, so... I was on keto, I mean, uh, uh, carnivore just religiously until like three days ago. And then my gout come back in my left foot and I start realizing again um, why I got off. Because this, this happened like two or three years ago when I got on keto uh, big time right. um, the last time. or you know, And so I'm trying to figure out if it's oxalate or the purines. It's, or both no it's not both this isn't this isn't gout as we know it gout is caused by uh the purine yeah well the purines the is bubbles. what they always told us aggravated it and then we get the uh what what's the crystal that forms in gout i just drew a blank 
Um, You're right. Uh, yeah, me too. I did. What, what I, do I we measure for gout? I, I've got a meter somewhere that measures it, and I can't think. I've of got the meter. Yeah, I've, no, I've got the meter, and and you know what, my meter. You know what, my uh, I was at twelve, at twelve, um, at no thirteen six, which it, is huge. You're pretty high. Yeah. Here's here's what I have found that fixes this. The buric acid is it? Buric acid. You're close. Yeah. Boy, man, my brain is not yeah. working. I think my brain's yeah, still no, frozen. Yeah, no, it's all right. It is right. I, I'm getting confused with oxalates now because I'm trying to do research, but I'm I'm uric. just trying to I'm, uric acid. No, uric acid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So, yeah. well, it's it's the crystals in uric acid, but it's, it's correct. Yeah, yeah. Well, they yeah. form. But I'm, I'm trying to get this. Uh, that right. And then oxalates can form the same kind of crystal, but it's really two different things we're talking about. The symptoms are exactly the same, but we've got to try to figure out which one is causing the problem. Um, I have found that it's not the uric acid. Even when my uric acid numbers were high, I could get rid of the pain completely. So, and when I say high, I'm talking about, I've never rec- recorded over 15, but there were times where I was in that 10, 11, 12 range like you were. I thought for sure that was it. Wasn't making sense to me that that should be happening. Uh, that can occur with the mineral imbalance. There's a, there's a mineral factor going on there. But really what I've found is that it's the oxalates and the more strict we go on keto or carnivore is even worse if we go really strict carnivore what happens is we're now at zero oxalates there are no oxalates in animal products we're at zero right and then our body says hey look we finally got a break from all those oxalates now we're gonna dump what's accumulated in our body over all of these years we're going to start to get rid of it and this process can take years we've accumulated so much oxalate all through our body it can be stored in all kinds of ways the the interesting thing is and and we learned this when we did our mini series on this with um, sally norton if you maintain a level of oxalates intake at about 250 milligrams a day the body will continue to eliminate oxalates, but not create problems. So, and, okay. and I have tested this several times now. If I go, when I went hardcore key, carnivore, some of that started to go back. All I had to do, and, and this was not a problem, I actually enjoyed it. I just added dark chocolate back in. Pretty high in right. oxalates. Can we talk... Yeah, we talked about this, I think, last week or so, where you said to get some, some you know, just add some oxalates back in. But then, um, so I did see another study about calcium, and uh, I wondered if you knew much about that. So apparently, if you take calcium on an empty stomach, it doesn't really help you because it doesn't bind to the oxalate. Well, well wait a minute. Have before you before we talk species? about that... Why are we even talking about taking calcium as a supplement? Because it apparently is supposed to bind to the oxalates and uh, and well, you just said I, I have some type of mineral imbalance, which so so. But when you take it with food, it's supposed to bind to the oxalates, and and instead of going through your urine, it goes uh, you 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 uh, it it to uh, eliminate through your feces. Yeah. 
So that's one. I'm, thing I'm just. Ne- I've never been a fan of supplementing calcium. When we say there's a mineral imbalance or deficiency, taking calcium never fixes it. Many times makes it worse, in my opinion. It's usually things like vitamin D, magnesium. It is other other cofactors we need that are causing the problem and the imbalance. Yeah, yeah. Vitamin D, uh, vitamin C, magnesium, potassium. Religiously, I take. I've been taking that for years. What I did, what I did run out of was the calcium because I was, but I was taking the calcium on an empty stomach. So uh, you think it might be? Uh, what about vitamin A? Should you be supplementing vitamin A? <sighs> I'm kind of mixed. You know, what wouldn't, certainly wouldn't hurt when we've got an imbalance like this. Are you, are you supplementing with the D drops, DK? No, no, I'm doing the, uh, just the gel tabs you get at Walmart. I, I rarely get home and that's why I, so if, I haven't ordered from you in a long the, time. I need to get, the, I would rather, I'd rather get, you know, get your, that good stuff you get from Biomark well, here's or whatever the, it's called. That's. I, I, we know that our stuff works. There's no doubt about it because we've had yeah, thousands know, of people test their vitamin D levels. And here's all I would say. Yeah. If you're using another product, that's not a problem, but I would always test to make sure that product's working. It, it seems to be. I did I did a, a vitamin T, D test through uh, Everly Lab not too uh, – it was a year ago when I was taking this stuff, and I was in the 90s. It, oh, it was, that, it was, that's uh, all that really matters. Seemed, I mean, if your levels yeah, are up, it, it doesn't – matter which product you're you're taking what i might recommend though but you gotta i i don't know of anybody else who has this particular product we have an a d e and k in a drop and the reason is all four of those are the fat soluble vitamins that need to be taken with fat and if we put them all in one drop with the fat already in there it makes it really easy now it's a lower dose of the d so I tell people if you're going to switch, and, and I do, occasionally I'll just substitute in a bottle of the A, D, E, and K. Um, but when I do, I need to make sure I'm getting enough of the D. Yeah, yeah, so maybe, okay. Well, i got to come through there. Number okay, and then that was another thing. Uh, how is the gorge now? Um, I would say today, now the, the main roads are fine. The 84 is clear okay. and open and no problems on 84. Uh, most of the side roads aren't a problem. I think the problem today is going to be parking lots. Okay, if I it, well, I've got to come through. I've got to uh, come through tomorrow. Is your are you going to even be open? Is it within? We, I thought before it was within walking distance. If I take the um, eighty four uh, business, um, I, I could park somewhere there and walk over to the shop or something and. And uh, if I ordered online or something, could I pick it up? You can pick it up, and we are working today. We'll be working all week. And I I think by tomorrow, the parking lots may be better. Okay. Yeah, you're supposed to get some rain from what I I could ascertain. Rain rain hasn't stopped for the last 24 hours. Oh, okay. That's that's good. That's good, then. And, um, uh, okay. So I, I... I, I probably need to take a does it I don't even know if Everly Wells has a, a vitamin mineral test that not tests a, for or they all you know when separate. we get down to really testing vitamins and minerals accurately it can get pretty expensive and I, I'm just not a big fan yeah that's a problem it, it is I, I just, I've got something wrong yeah you know I, I mean? for this the most part 
for the most part, if we're eating a, a you know, a well-designed keto or carnivore diet, and we're taking the supplements we've talked about that we know can be an issue. I usually don't see problems. When I do, it's usually not easy to identify them. Okay, yeah. So that's 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 an issue. And then, um, okay, I'll, I'll I'll start just testing with different things and see if it, what what doesn't. Now, I, I I seem to have caught this in time, and I think it might have been Noxlitz because I did have some um, bulletproof uh, um, charcoal, activated charcoal, and I took that and i don't know maybe if that binded to some of the oscillates but i caught this thing in time it wasn't like the last time so good. it's getting better today good all um, right hey and then I'm i had gonna, i had no, i'm gonna get, cut you loose because i yeah. got uh i've got one more yes. call i want to get to before we bring brent in i want to go to texas bill welcome hey well good morning kevin it's been a while sir what can i help you with today uh, i was uh you was talking about the fmcsa um just this last week, I was reading uh, where they are still leaving it up to the doctors on sleep apnea. Can you believe that? No, it's a mess. It, 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 and then what happens is these medical device and medical testing companies find out about this. They find out that the doctor has all this discretion. And guess what? They come in and set up a program and promise the doctor he's going to make a whole bunch of money by diagnosing people with sleep apnea. Here's the thing. Hey, yes, sir. You know, this was a topic that I mostly ignored. I mean, I, I, I would mention that I think the whole thing is a big money grab. Um, I do know there are drivers, some that have sleep apnea. I know there are some people that benefit from a CPAP machine. I believe that if you were healthy the way we are supposed to be and eating the right diet and doing all the right things, this would never be an issue. But for some people, it clearly Uh, is. I've talked to drivers who say, I feel so much better when I use my CPAP machine. I would never get rid of it. I get that. But... I knew there was a a scam going on here. You could tell the way this was being handled. I didn't understand this issue all that well uh, until I started working with Nastic. Um, David Owen uses a CPAP machine, has for years, and he's one of those people that said without it, he might be dead. But he agrees that the way this has been handled in trucking is a disaster, a, a scam, And they've done their best to put together a program that actually helps. Part of the problem is, and and this is something that I did not know until um, David did a lot of work on this and identified it. All mammals have sleep apnea. We're wired that way, but it doesn't always cause a problem. And what goes wrong that it causes problems for some people, but not everybody, I don't know. But if you measure the... the way they measure for sleep apnea, everybody's going to fail that test. If they want to say you have sleep apnea, they can show you the numbers that would prove you have sleep apnea. But there are lots of people who aren't helped by the CPAP machine, but they're still forced to use it. The FMCSA now is trying. Here's another one of these areas where they're trying to push through a rule where they could force you to provide them with 365 days of your CPAP machine data. You know, it really, really strongly sounds like they're trying to run about 80% of the uh, drivers out of the industry, doesn't it? Uh, you know, I don't even know if it's to dr- run drivers out of the industry. There's, I don't know why that would be the ultimate goal. 
it will it could happen but the ultimate goal is just make money just when we see these issues just follow the money and there's an awful lot of money in CPAP machines and sleep testing there's a ton of money and I- these companies love it when it becomes mandatory when the government is going to force you to do this stuff it's a gold mine for them well, sure it is. And, you know, I've had two sleep apnea tests in the past. And now when I go for a DOT physical, I take those tests with me to show them that I do not have it machine registered. And they have no problem with it. Yeah. But one, uh, time, one time they did send me down and, and forced me to do one. And my BMI was about three points higher than it is now. And um, I figured out, hey, if I don't lose, you know, some of the weight I need to get rid of, then they're going to keep hounding me. Well, they've, they've never been able to show any clear correlation. They, they can't show us criteria that says if a driver scores this bad on their sleep apnea, they are this much more likely to get into a crash. They've ne- I've, that data doesn't exist that I can find. So how did we create this big and, and, program around safety when nobody's proven this is even a safety issue? Uh, you, uh, you got me on that one because I've... I've uh, I banged my head against the wall trying to figure that one out myself. And I sit here, you know, I've, I've been in trucking 35 years. Um, I sleep good at night. Yes, I was um, about 40 pounds overweight the last time I talked to you, and I've lost that much. And that's been about a year ago. Congratulations. And I'm study, um, thank you. And I'm studying on a decline. I've got about 30 more to lose. I'm taking it off, you know, nice and easy. And, um even, even my personal physician stood up when the DOT doctor says, you got to go do a sleep apnea test. My personal physician laughed about it. He says, you have no symptoms. He said, but go ahead and go do it. And I did it. And I did it twice um, over a two-year time frame. And I've got the proof that I'm good to go. And he, and my doctor, now he's on a CPAP machine, but he, he told me you know, he's had sleep apnea for 16 or 17 years. And he's not finally on one. He can put the end of his nose and not a mask. And but he looked at me. He said, "You have no symptoms whatsoever." He said he looked at me just like, just like you and I think about this. It's a money grab. Yes, people do have it. I get that. It has killed people. Yes, I get that too. But where's the proof that it's harming us? Just like you said, I've yet to see it. Well, and like I said, if it's a safety issue, show us because that the FMCSA should not be implementing any kind of program that doesn't have a direct impact on safety. That's their job, safety. Maybe they should have taken all that time and effort they put into this scam of a sleep apnea program and actually worked on carrier audits so that maybe they could get to over 10 percent of the industry that's been audited. Uh, Yeah, exactly. And, you know, and I've. You know, I sit here whenever they make up new rules or, or just like this one. They're still leaving it up to the doctors. When I said, can you believe that? And the reason I said that is because they haven't made a rule on it. They're just leaving it up to the doctors, which, uh, in my personal opinion, kind of a good thing. Well, no, it's not. And here's why. Huh? Leave this up to the doctors and the doctors and these medical companies see it as a as a gold mine. You can't give that doctor this much power to tell a driver, sorry, you have sleep apnea. If you don't get on a CPAP machine, we're not going to qualify you. There's, we need better, Never. clear criteria. And before we can develop criteria, somebody needs to prove that this is actually a safety issue. 
Oh, I totally, I totally agree with that. However, the one thing I was looking at too, sometimes you kind of have to pick the lesser, lesser of the two evils, just like you, just like you said too. What happens if they make a rule where we have to provide them a year's worth of documentation, or you're not going to drive? It's uh, they're already I, trying I to do it. Dog eat dog world on this one. They're already trying I to do it. I guess it's a dog-eat-dog world, on it? Yeah, yeah, it's um, it's a mess. I'm going to cut you loose. The, uh, the entire FMCSA, the more I look at it, the more I see what a total disaster this agency has been. Uh, and here we go. We've got another director resigning after 16 months. Um, like I said, in an election year, I'm not even sure what they're going to do. They'll probably just leave an interim director uh, in that position. We'll see. All right. It is time. Oh, after uh, what a couple years off, it's time to bring back rates and lanes. And joining us right now to do that from truckstop.com is Brent Hutto. Brent, welcome back. <laughs> Good to talk to you, KR. Two weeks in a row, man. Uh, it, it, we're, we're back in the saddle. We're, we're I love back. It. Fantastic. Glad to be back on. We're back. We're, we're, we're going to talk uh, about rates and lanes, and, and we might even talk about a little teaser of an announcement. Well, there you go. Yes, sir. That'd be fantastic to talk about that teaser of an announcement. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. So um, tell us what what's going on with rates and lanes. What uh, What's the big picture you're seeing right now, if you're seeing anything clear? Yeah, well, I, I tell you what I am seeing post um, – Post the holidays, uh, during the holidays, uh, you know, for, you know, truckers take time off, uh, brokers take time off and inside the spot market. And, um, and, uh, the freight rates go up a little bit and they typically come back down the first week, uh, two weeks of, of, of the year. And this is normal inside the marketplace. But what's been interesting is that, um, freight postings, uh, have stayed high. They've been about 10, 10 or 15% above normal. Uh, which is which is good. Normal being normal for a five-year average. So, Kevin, one of the things that I always encourage carriers and brokers, anybody dealing in the transactional spot market, is you got to look at the the multi-year averages. Because if not, if you just take one little point in time, that's really when you consider how much the marketplace goes up and down. Uh, you're going to be you're going to be miss, you're going to miss by either you're either going to be too high or too low, no matter what, because you have to look at the the average over time to really be able to, to, to have, get an accurate picture of it. But what's been great is that low postings have been above normal, uh, at least 15% above normal, which is good. That's super good for carriers, really good for carriers, because it moves the rates back up. What I, but I, what I watched right after Christmas was um, the overall rate on week one, two weeks ago, was 230, and then it went to 233, and then it went to 240 this past week, like just last week. So, so, so over the last three weeks, the rates, they went up they went up during Christmas, came back down to two thirty, which has been kind of this where we've been the, the sort of base in the market. So it came down to two thirty. This is all the rates and, and then it has gone up to two thirty three and to two forty for all freight. Now if you look at van, van went from went went from two thirteen to two oh eight to back up to two fifteen. Uh flatbed went from two twenty seven, had the two weeks of increases from two twenty seven to two thirty nine. That's twelve percent increase. That's meaningful. And in the reefer market, it had gone up tremendously, like 30, 40 cents, 50 cents during Christmas, and then came back down a little bit, and it's kind of stayed at about 267. So it's been good stuff as far as the marketplace is concerned. Uh, different, different, different lanes in the country. Uh, you know, in the spot market, it, it, it just kind of depends on, on what you got out there. Different lanes, uh, you know, in New Orleans to Houston, Jackson to Houston, the Houston market, Albuquerque. 
Phoenix to, to Albuquerque inside of uh, the van marketplace. And inside the same thing, Phoenix, Las Vegas to Phoenix, Houston to Nashville. So the Houston market, Houston market is always really a good market, doing well. But seems like the, the rates are back up on the plus side for carriers, and, and helps that helps brokers too to be able to offer great, greater rates. So it's uh, it's it's not it's a little bit better market than it was. I say if you looked at November, if you looked at October, November last year, and um, now you, but the thing to do is to, to wait a few weeks to see if that's going to become a trend. So two weeks is not a trend. You want to wait for three or four weeks, but just to watch that. Do, do we think that um, part of the increase last week could have been weather-related? Well, yeah, that, that's a great, great point. The, without a doubt, you look at the, the, the swath <laughs> of the United States that was just covered in cold weather. We got it bad here in the south where I live and in Alabama, and it was like that in lots of places. So, yeah, for sure, that, that has, a, that has a, a, a few penny reflection on it, no doubt. Uh, did it have a 10, 20-cent reflection? In some areas, absolutely. But overall, it, it, you look at the, the freight, the, I look at the freight postings, because freight postings is what drives this. And the last uh, three weeks in freight postings, we have been, um, we've been uh, about the same. It's actually gone up. It went from, uh, it went from about 10%, per, 10, 11% above to about 14, 15% above. So the freight postings have continued to stay in the market. So that's usually what drives it. That's a good sign, no doubt. Are we seeing any clear signals yet of how the uh, the red sea issue might be affecting freight yeah that's a good thing not not yet i don't think i'll, I'll know a little bit more i'm actually uh i'm talking to the guys the head of marketing for the los angeles port and talking to him about three at three o'clock today to talk a little bit about how that's affecting uh what's coming into la and long beach la and long beach still being the the dominant place that that containers come in so um i'll be talking to him today to, to see the influence on that but as of as of 10 days ago, uh, the the thought was, yes, it will have an effect, but not quite yet. So uh, I don't see a whole lot of change in this just because um, I haven't seen I haven't seen the numbers change. I can I, you know what I do? I probably need to look. I've not looked right readily. I'll see if I can find something while we're on the phone about what's going on in, Cal- in California, because I, I look at California first before I look at any other port. You know, I just read this morning um, the container rates coming through the Red Sea. And, you know, when you read this, you oh, got to yeah. stop and take a step back and think about how how important this number is or how odd this number is. And, and it's, it's going to have an impact on something. Uh, imagine if we were talking about spot market truck rates in this country right now and said... What a crazy week. We're at an all-time high. I mean, we're nowhere near that. We're, we're down towards the opposite end of the scale. We're, we're at the bottom of yeah, yeah. rates, you know, mm-hmm. for quite some time. Um, right now, spot market container rates in the Red Sea, other than the little COVID blip, we're at an all-time record high. I mean, that, that's... Right, just for that one little general area. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but we... What is it, like... A big percentage of our freight moves through that area, so it, it, if nothing else, it's going to have an impact on inflation. Oh, for sure, yeah, no doubt. When you look at the impact of what it costs to move that freight around Africa instead of through Africa, um, it's it's a big deal. I remember when the container was uh, the ship was stuck during COVID uh, in in the, the Suez, and so it it um, it ended up being a big issue. I think it was the tune of about four hundred million a day. It was it was impacting, so it is a meaningful meaningful number. Yeah, uh, when that when that is not op- when that is not open. 
Absolutely. You know, one of the one of the other things I want to talk about, um, there are, uh, you know, groups in trucking that are really trying to dispute rates and why the rates do what they do. And they don't seem to believe in the whole <laughs> yeah. supply and demand issue. They think there's some sort of control within the industry on rates. And one of the arguments they try to make, and you mm-hmm. being with truckstop.com, you've heard this so many times, but those that data can't be right because I know this broker posted the same load four times, or you've heard all the reasons why that data can't possibly be right. right. Part of the problem with this whole issue is that, what was that? famous quote i think it was mark twain about liars and statistics and i mean you can make numbers and statistics (laughs) say anything you want them to say and it's not even that difficult to do but the 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 data that we look to try to figure out what's going on with rates whether it's with your analyst at truckstop.com whether it's a company like freight waves there is a thousand ways to look at this data. And instead of arguing about the data, realize this is the system we have. It, it, some of these groups actually mm-hmm. make it sound like it's somebody's responsibility to put this data out. And it's not. When, you, when truckstop.com yes, puts out data, that's a service you're providing as a private company. There's no requirement right. to do any of this. So I don't understand this complaint's that I keep hearing about, well, the data is wrong. Well, it's being manipulated. Well, then go create some data because this is nobody's responsibility. This is the system we have. And if you want to be successful, you better learn how to work with that system. And of course, the data is flawed. All data is flawed. But but we have ways of, of taking flawed data and still using it in a meaningful way that makes sense. Yeah, that's a great point, Kevin. I think the thing that what I encourage carriers to do is, is 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 to understand that you're dealing in a marketplace that is the amalgamation of about 750 million different movements of freight, or you know, hauls <laughs> of freight. Yeah. So it's this 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 isn't some you know this isn't the Wizard of Oz standing behind the curtain controlling the knobs and pulling buttons and pushing things. So here's why it, there's there's no there's no master group manipulating anything. You have about ten to eleven thousand brokers that work with about four million shippers to help move freight, and um, these ten thousand brokers are very competitive with each other. So they they won't even share their information. You want to know why on, on truckstop.com for for the longest time up until recently. Brokers wouldn't put their rates, and they wouldn't put locations unless, unless, unless you got way down into the data on, on truck stop because they didn't want anybody to know where the freight was because somebody could go after their customer. Right. They hey. don't share data with each other. Brokers, not a single broker shares data with another broker because they don't want to lose their business. The only thing they've got is the negotiation power to be able to get a load on a truck. That's it. Right. So it's funny. It, it, I appreciate you bringing this up because – Right in the middle of uh, it, right right in the middle of the pandemic, you know, you remember when freight rates dropped to like a dollar fifty, a dollar thirty when yeah. we all went into quarantine. The two week, the two week, the two week quarantine. Right. And um, owner operators 
just happened. They went to Washington and said, we're getting, you know, we're, it's, well, there's collusion going on, pricing collusion going on. And they happened to get the attention of, the, of then President Donald Trump. And they said, hey, price collusion is going on. And he said, I'll look into it. It was on videotape. He said, I'll look into it. Well, he did. We got a phone call, truckstop.com, got a phone call from the Department of Justice asking us if there was price collusion going on. And we answered their question and answered their question. And finally, we got to show them the data. We talked to them about the marketplace. There's 10,000 brokers on this end data. And there's, you know, somewhere between uh, 100 and 150,000 carriers on this end of the, of the equation, and everybody has access to the data. They were like, everyone has access to the data? I go, yep. If, you're, if you have a license, an FMCSA license, you can get access to the data via a license on trucks up or our competitor, and you can see it, and you can see the pricing. They were like, there's full visibility of pricing? I went, yep. And they went, <laughs> okay, we see your point. Yeah, there can't be price collusion because there's full visibility of the, the loads. I mean, you, at that time, we were – a million loads a, a day on truck stop. Right. Million, million, one point million loads a day. And so you just can't price collude on things where you don't have parties that aren't willing to work with each other. And the other thing is, this is where, this is the big thing. When you have hundreds of thousands on one side and you have tens of thousands on another, you just can't get price collusion because you can't get parties. That, that you have to, it has to be only a few people. And so I just encourage carriers. I get it. I get it with the with some of the, the issues with, Maybe the, the the rate transparency and the way they feel like they're, the, the information is not being given to them. I get that, but honestly, there's nobody price colluding anywhere in in this marketplace. Now, I'm not saying they're not negotiating well because that's what they get paid to do, just like a carrier does. But man, yeah, it doesn't happen, and and it's really easy to look at the numbers and go, yeah, see where that couldn't happen. It, well, you know, and and down to broker margins again. I just read another big report. Yeah. Um, actually put out by your competitor because they were being attacked about their data. Uh, mm -hmm. a, another lawsuit was actually being threatened, which is just absolutely ridiculous. So uh, they dug into the data from their end and tried to come up with right. what a, a realistic number for an average broker margin was. And they came up with a number. And interestingly enough, that number correlates really, really well with the same number the TIA puts out every year. Um, yeah. You, yeah. You, you know, you made the comment that, that brokers don't share their data. On transactional everyday stuff, they don't. But um, a lot of the TIA members do report on a survey every year. about, And it's... Um, right. Right. It's anonymous. You don't get to see which broker has which number. They just average all of this. But it's from, you know, it's right from their P&L. And the brokers have no reason right. to lie about this. And you, like you said, there's so many of them that collusion or price fixing, it, it's absolutely impossible. But here was another deep data dive where somebody took all the data they could come up with and said, it looks like the broker margin on the last 12 months has been about 15.1%. I mean, that, that's really right. close to what the TIA comes up with every year. Yeah, it's always somewhere between about 14.5 and about 15.2. Now, look, you got to remember, that's an average. So do they make more on some loads? Absolutely. Do right. they make less on some loads? You know they do. Do they make none on some loads? Yes. If they want to keep their customers, they do. Yep. Because this is a world of, this is a world of averages and numbers for them. So they're, they're, it's in their best interest to get a load on a truck as quick as possible. Yep. Because that's, that's where they can, they can ensure that they actually have a chance of making a profit. 
But, you know, I just I look at this and I just go, look, I get it. It's frustrating thinking that, you you know, because I think a lot of times that, you know, Kevin, you and I have talked about this. Carriers don't feel like they have control. And when you don't have control, it's like, well, somebody else must have control if I don't have control. Right. So the idea is how do, how, how do you as a carrier get control? Well, you get inside the data. You understand the lane, the historic parts of the lane. You understand the pricing in that lane. You understand the load, the load densities, how much load, how much rate moves in that lane. You understand the, 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 not just the geographic and the demographic, but also the seasonal part of it. You just, if you really understand all of it, then you're not suspect to it because then you can navigate all the way through it and you can remain profitable on just about every load. I, I couldn't imagine that. I mean, it's your, your choice to take a load as a carrier. You figure out whether or not you can make a profit on it. You know, something else we talk about a lot, and we're going to be talking about even more, is from a, a carrier's perspective, a small carrier, all the way down to one truck, uh, Yeah. what's the best way to, to navigate this system knowing that we do have access to data, it's not completely accurate, we, we do the best we can with the data we have, it's a big, complicated market. Uh, we've talked about this for years, that even if this data is fairly accurate, and it is, we know the problems with it, but sure. it's a big picture. It's a really good tool. We've also said that the best freight isn't in this data. A lot of the best freight doesn't get measured. <laughs> right. If it's not running right. through the load yeah. board, if it's being moved between, you know, a carrier and a small shipper direct or a shipper and a small carrier directly, we may not have access to that data at all. If it, if it's handled with the broker and a small carrier, that data may not be making it into this mix and that's where the best rates are the, this model of if you're going to just run the the giant load board system with all this spot market freight and it's just random well you're going to struggle just to do the average then the the idea is step out yeah. of that system and figure out there's a better way to do this if you get a good small broker and a good small carrier working together as partners it's better for everybody. It, it, the carrier is, is going to get a better rate, and the broker, it, it's going to be easier for them to book freight and not lose money on it if they have a, enough dedicated carriers they work with. Mm-hmm. For sure. Yeah, there's, it's all about time, Kevin. I and mean, I think that if I'm talking to a, a carrier and I want to emphasize anything in the world about their business, and, and, is that, and this, this just gets commonly overlooked is that they don't really think about time. They think about cost. They think about expenses. They think about those things, but they don't ever factor in the fact that it takes time. If you, could, if you can negotiate with a broker that knows you uh, and you're able to get a, a piece of freight that doesn't hit the load board, and we're, we're happy that freight hits the load board because it, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's an ability for the two markets to get together to move the freight that, that has a hard time getting moved even more than normal. So, but if you can work with a broker, then you've got the ability to move faster. So the broker is able to give you a little more margin because they are able to get more to get more freight on trucks faster. Now, if you take that into the shipper marketplace, you got to remember still about time because if you work with a shipper, if you're a carrier works directly with a shipper, you and I've talked about this as well, and certainly we've talked about this with many many carriers. You have to factor in that you're doing what the broker does, so there's a cost of time in that too. So it's not just, oh, well, I got this great rate, but they don't look at their time. You have to look at time because that's, 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 the, that's, the, that's the bottom line measurement because the more time you have to haul freight, the more money you make. So, so it, it all comes back to time. So, but 
So yeah, so I'm with. I I agree. Find people that you can get get really trusted freight on your truck fast because you don't have to get through the negotiation process. You know, I was just thinking about the whole load board and the way the small carriers in this industry use it. And one of the concepts I've been talking a, a lot about lately, I've talked about this forever, but even more so lately. Um, and it's crazy how often this strategy works when it sounds completely backwards. And this works in the, um, this is a big issue in like the investing world and that kind of thing. Um, now I'm even talking about it in the health world, but it, it makes sense in this context. The, the idea of being a contrarian on, on creating right. a strategy that says, I'm going to look at the big group of people that are doing whatever it is I'm going to be doing, and I'm going to do the opposite of what they do. <laughs> yeah. And it's shocking to me how many times that actually works. In in, oh yeah, well we're we're <laughs> in investing. It, it's pretty evident. I used to talk about this all the time. My my phrase used to be: people used to ask me, they still do, but I, I worked as a certified financial planner. So even locally, and you know, right. not just on the radio and what I do in trucking, but you know, everywhere I went, there was a time people were asking me about financial uh, advice. You know, should I be in the stock market? Mm -hmm. Should I be buying mm -hmm. cryptocurrency, whatever it might be? Um, and I used to make the statement that when the cashier at the grocery store starts giving you stock advice, it's time to get out of the market. <laughs> you got that right. <laughs> and that is a very, very common pattern. Most investors actually buy into the stock market at the top and sell at the bottom. The exact opposite of how you make money. That is a recipe for losing money. And yet people keep doing it. Everybody knows in order to make money on a stock, you have to buy it low and sell it high. But almost everybody in the market does the opposite. They buy high and sell low. They don't buy a stock till the cashier is talking about it. Everybody's so excited. The market is so high. When you hear average people giving stock tips, it's time to get out of the market. And the, the point where we may get to at some point in this recession, I don't know, we're still setting records in the stock market, which is just goofy. But we will get to a point here where it's going to be the opposite. You're going to hear people crying about how much money they've lost in their retirement account and their 401k. That's the time to think about getting back into the market. That, that's the, and I, I'm not talking about market timing. I, I'm not a fan of market timing at all. But making investment right. decisions based on the crowd or actually going against the crowd. And going against the crowd almost always works. Uh, we just saw this in, in trucking. Um, for the last three or so years, I was telling people, even though the market was booming, freight was hot, rates were great, I was telling people, no, this is a really lousy time to get into the market. Unless you've got a rock-solid business plan and an awful lot of money, <clears throat> getting in at the top of a market is a really bad idea. But everybody was doing it. Oh, yeah, sure. And now I'm getting people prepared for the opposite. And you're a part of this. You help me with this kind of stuff all the time. Yep. Now is the time to start preparing to get into the market. And and nobody oh, else is talking about 100%, that. 100%. Yep. 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 100%. So, well, you think about the, um, 
Yeah, I was just going to say, let me, I wanted to finish this thought on the whole contrarian idea and load boards. I, I, I am a total contrarian when it comes to why you invest in a load board and how you use it. The, the bulk of your users, the carriers, log in, search for a load, sort by rate, try to find the highest rate they can on the board and take that freight. And then they mm-hmm. do it again tomorrow, which we know the problems. One, you're not getting the best rate. Two, you're working with way, way too many brokers to ever build any kind of a relationship. And those same people never go into the true power of the load board, which is all the data. I'm a total contrarian. I'm probably going to have so much freight that I've already built through relationships with brokers, maybe a shipper here or there, that I will probably almost never search for a load on the load board. But I'm still going to have the account. Uh, I'll have the high end account because I want the data. Well, yeah, without a doubt, you need the data to be able to make the, the, the thoughtful decisions, no matter who you're talking to. Yeah, even though I'm not, I'm not getting the load from the load board most of the time, I need to be able to negotiate or at least know what I'm talking about with a shipper or a broker that I'm getting freight from. I need to know, am I, I obviously I'd like to be above all the numbers I'm seeing on the load boards. But I, I have to know what those are. And, and pricing in lanes can be crazy volatile, right? I mean, you could have two lanes that look really similar, and the rates could be wildly different. Yeah, for, for sure. You, you've got you, – there's no doubt about that. That happens all the time. And part of that is because freight can be given to more than one broker that posts the same freight in a lane. So the different, different, everybody has a different cost basis. Uh, so that, that's one, one really big thing. The other thing is just t- timing on how quickly it needs to move. Yeah. That's a big, that's, that's a, that's a, that's a super, super big deal. And, um, and so, but I would also encourage carriers, you know, not, not every load is a great load for them. And they need to be thinking about what, what is their cost to move in that lane? So, cause some people can move in, in certain lanes, certain OD pairs easier than others or more, more efficiently than others. And efficiency is profitability. You know, you, you bring up a good point with that. And let's take the the examples I just gave, either being a contrarian on the load board or just doing what everybody else does. If you're doing what everybody else does, at best, you're going to get an average rate. At best. It's probably right. going to be less than average when it comes right down to it. If you're using that model of every time I need a load, I just log in and look for the best rate. You're probably going to end up doing worse than average. Now, Here's another problem. You just said that not every load is going to be the rate you want. When you're already below average, you hate to take that load that, that is worse than that even. And, and it's hard to convince somebody to do it. But if most of your freight is coming to you through relationships, you're above average. And now you can look at those loads and go, hey, you know what? I just need to reposition. Let me grab that. And it's much easier to do it because you've got the margins to be able to do it. And then that in turn makes you even more efficient. You were able to reset back into a better lane and, and take a, a worse rate to get to it because you see the big picture. Yeah. Yeah. No doubt. That's uh, you're right about the, <laughs> when you, when you have, when you have visibility over an entire marketplace and you just sort by rate, uh, then you may be missing freight that can get you to even better freight somewhere else by taking a load from 
A to B, and then that better rate is at B that you that you can get to. So there's there's so it's, it's basically just like like I talked mentioned just earlier is that making sure that you have good understanding and use of an entire marketplace literally at your fingertips. You can look in any lane. There's no limitation whatsoever for where you're looking. Now, you may have limitation of equipment, and right. that, that's part of it. And that's another thing to consider. You know, what, what, what equipment runs best at what time of the year? You know, and so there's just all kinds of opportunity across the board when it comes to um, being able to maximize things. And I, I agree with you on the running against the norm. The norm always goes towards at least the, the, the middle of the price, if not lower, because the more people that run in any, the more available capacity there is in a lane, the lower the price is going to be. Absolutely. So one of, uh, um, I, I talked about we might tease an announcement. It might actually be a couple announcements. <laughs> We've got a lot of stuff going on. Uh, all good. That was a good thing. Yeah. yeah, all good things. All around this issue we're talking about, um, I also want to, how long do we have you for today? Me? Uh, till 11.30. Okay. I'm good. Or, you know, uh, 11.30 Central Time. Yeah. Okay. So I, I just wanted to make sure. So I want to encourage people. We, we Phone lines are open. If you want to call in and talk about any of this, we can talk about it with Brent. Uh, 319-527-6791. Uh, jump in and join us on this. So, um, you know, most of... Um, most of my career, if I had to, to say where I spent more time focusing, was it on the revenue side of a small carrier's business or the expense side? And for me, it's always been the yeah. expense side. Yeah, and I, I've explained sure. why, and I've mm-hmm. taken a lot of criticism for that. You never talk about rates, rates, rates. You, you're always just talking about expenses. Um, and that's true. I have. I, I would say if I had to pick a breakdown of time. I have probably spent 90% of my time on expenses, maybe 10% Mm -hmm. on revenue. Mm -hmm. And I did that Mm -hmm. because in my business, when I own trucks, it it just seemed to me like the expense side was so much easier to make an impact on. I had so much more control over all of my expenses. There were things I could actively do to lower those expenses and they were repeatable and easy to understand if you do this you will save this much i i I even had formulas and they were accurate it's never that easy on the revenue side for one thing revenue the revenue can change just simply because of the economy and it can change a lot Mm-hmm. Rates can be affected by so many things that are out of our control. One of them is how many yep. trucks are on the road. We have no control over that, but the more trucks they put on the road, nope. the, the harder it is to get good revenue at supply and demand. We, we understand that there are, are imbalances of freight heading into Florida, or we, we all know the, those spots where you got to get a bunch more going in because you're not going to get much coming out. We, we don't control much of that so i I didn't spend a lot of time focusing on that um in the last year or two almost everything i've been working on um, is about revenue so part of it is because we've spent so much time on expenses there's not a whole lot more we're going to learn on the expense side i don't have to put a lot of time and effort into that anymore So I decided to really focus on the revenue side. The other reason I've been doing it in the last couple of years 
is what's going on with the AB5 type rules and the independent contractor. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's happening. Uh, and and we're, we're prepared for it. it it's coming. That's going to be a big factor for a lot of people. And the other thing is, with, with technology, it has become much easier to be very, very competitive as a single truck owner operator, I, a carrier. I, I just, I think things have happened in the industry that make that model look a lot more attractive than it used to. Um, mm-hmm. Programs, technologies, mm-hmm. things to, to make it a lot less risky. So a big part of what we're doing going forward is building a single truck carrier model that is as profitable as it could possibly be. We, we haven't just figured out how to cut Every expense you need to cut, we, we know how to cut. Fuel, maintenance, taxes, all those things. Mm-hmm. Now mm-hmm. we also know mm-hmm. how to build better relationships and use the system to get more consistent, higher revenue. And that's a big part of uh, what we're working on and some of the announcements we have coming up. Uh, one of the announcements, um, we are bringing back Broker Connect. I'm excited about that. Yeah, man. That's super exciting. The, the whole point of that show is to build this model of real cooperation between brokers and carriers, and primarily small brokers and small carriers. I mean, that's who we work with most in that program. Um, and when we had the program going before, we had a lot of success stories. A lot of relationships got made between brokers and small carriers, and uh, that's good for everybody involved. So we're, we're bringing back Broker Connect. I'm excited about that. Uh, we, I, we are working on a program um, to build this owner-operator model of having one truck with authority and making that operation as profitable as we can possibly be. And, and we've been giving examples a lot lately of what's possible. We talked about, um, you and I talked about some of the owner-operators that we track. And, and the, the amount of profit that was still being made in 2023, which wasn't a great year overall. Mm-hmm. And yet we, we've got some small carriers really still doing really well in this market. And we're going to formalize that program and teach people how to do that. And then the idea becomes once you've got that one truck operation to where there's just no more fat to cut. There, there's no more profit. This is it. We have maximized the profit on this operation. Now you have a choice. You can just run this, and it, it's, it's amazing how much money you could make doing this with one truck. Or you could take all that experience, and the next part of our program is how do you expand from there? Because it, it, it's almost like starting a second business. Putting on a second truck is such a big decision. But it it can be just like the first. Here's a formula. Here's how you do this. And here's how you do it to minimize risk and maximize profit. Well, no doubt. Uh, You know, you were talking about expenses over revenue. And, uh, I mean, they're interrelated, uh, you know, because I remember (laughs) remember my my sweet five-foot-one-inch Ohio-born mom who used to say, she used to say, Brent, it's not what you make. It's what you keep. That's right. She goes, you need to make sure you, you, she say, you need to make sure you are managing your costs, your expenses very, very well. I think about the number one thing, Kevin. I think about fuel. I mean, 
what is it? How much more profit do you put in your pocket when you get mile more per gallon? It's you know, huge. I know, I know owner-operators that, that average that average nine miles to the gallon. My buddy Henry Albert averaged, I think, all of calendar last year over ten miles a gallon. Yes. Now, it, it comes with a lot of you got to you got to commit to it, but that's profit in your tank. And, and by the way, you got to buy fuel. You don't have a choice. You got to buy fuel. Same thing with insurance. Are you really looking into the best? the best policy at the best cost for your insurance or are you just calling the local guy that you know you've known for a long time and he's just selling you a policy that you know kind of fits right you know so because you know because they're they're insurance experts and so i just look at these things i look at these basic two things now fuel being a, a really a product of engine efficiency and aerodynamics you know and and so you just think about what is what is another i think it used to be and it may be more now that fuel is more expensive it used to be every mile per gallon was ten thousand dollars. Have you ever heard that? Is that is that a fair sort of I, statement? I, I think I created that. <laughs> well, maybe I got it from you. I wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that that that's a number I mean, I've been it, talking about for a long, long time, um, and and we're yeah. still right there. Where it's a little um, it's a little tricky it's one of those number things if you're at five miles to mm-hmm. the gallon getting a mile per gallon has one impact if you're at 10 miles to the gallon it actually only has half the impact right sure it does yeah. so it, it yeah. you know well think it, about this though what, what about taking against the, the fuel surcharge national average for fuel surcharge what they base the up and down which you can negotiate yeah. into a, into a spot market you know is 6.5 miles to the gallon. If you're not exactly. getting 6.5, if you're getting 5.5, you're already underwater. Yeah, you're losing money every load. Yep. Yeah. 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 Every load. So, because they're willing to negotiate on, that, on the average, right? Here's another concept that we talk about, but I'm not sure we talk about it enough or if people get it. Here's another big reason why I started focusing on expenses over revenue. Uh, And then eventually I come back to revenue. We work on that too. But if I can raise my revenue by Mm -hmm. a dollar, what people don't understand is you didn't raise your profit by a dollar, not even close. Oh, no. In fact, you would need to know your operating ratio. And then we could tell you how much you actually raised your your profit. But people think, well, my revenue went up a dollar. Okay, it did. But on the bottom line for most people, that's going to mean that you might have 40 or 50 cents more on the bottom line. But if I save a dollar in fuel cost or any cost, any expense on my P&L, if I lower that cost by a dollar, the entire dollar goes to the bottom line. It's all profit. That's a huge difference. Oh, yeah. Why would I spend time working on something that will only return me 40 to 50% when when I work on this, it returns me 100%? Mm-hmm. Well, it's the principle most people don't want to look at because they usually just look at the top line model. You know, I, I'll, I'll, I don't, I'm not going to worry about my cost. I'll just keep generating more and more revenue. Right. And, uh, you know, it <laughs> goes back to it's not what you make, it's what you keep. And you got to really look at that. And, and you're right. Here's the biggest thing to me, Kevin, what you said, and I think this is so wise, and I hope carriers really, really pay attention to this, is that control what you can control. That's you it. You can't control a lot of things in your life, but you can control every dollar that you take out of your pocket and give to somebody else. 
It's your decision to do that. It's just like choosing freight. It's your, you don't have to take that freight. People, That's right. I hear carriers oftentimes complain about low-cost low, low freight in the market. But guess what? Don't take it. That's right. There's, lot, there's, there's hundreds of thousands, hundreds and hundreds of thousands of loads every day on truck stop and, 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 and other places in the market, too. There's, you don't have to take that. And complaining about it doesn't do, any, doesn't do you, it doesn't do your pocketbook any good. That is exactly correct. Um, do we want to talk about uh, mats at all today? I think we definitely want to talk about that. That's definitely something we want to talk about. Yeah, I, I think we actually have to, even though we're n- we haven't nailed down everything yet. I think we're at the yeah. point where yeah. where this is going to happen, right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, no, we're we're definitely going to bring it forward. It's going to be our our kickoff year, and it's a very exciting thing between Let's Truck and um, and Truck Stop and partnering as well with the Mid America, the, the the guys of Mid America with Toby Young and his team there at Mid America. So it's it's really something that you got three groups that are very uh, committed to to the owner-operator's livelihood and sustainability in the market between Let's Truck and Mid-America and, and Truck Stop. And so um, we, you, in, when you get three groups that are this large and this been around this long creating something, especially when, you, when, when it's brought to the market, the, the, the content is brought to the market by Let's Truck, then you know you, you're doing something meaningful. But I'm going to let you let the cat out of the bag, so if, 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 let, let, let the listeners know. Yeah, so so here's what we're doing, um, and this is still a work in progress. I'm going to throw out some ideas that I have for it, but but this is we we now really just got the last piece of this puzzle put in place last week, and last week was pretty hectic with all the weather. Um, so we're we're scrambling a little bit. We we realize we're a little behind the eight ball on this, but like you said, we have we have three big organizations involved with a lot of experience in doing this so we're we're a little behind but i'm totally confident we're going to pull this off and one of the reasons we're letting people know about it now is we're getting pretty close i mean registration's already open for mats we've got to get the word out about this and i want people to know what's happening so they have some time to plan for this so we are going to be doing a program this year we're kicking it off at mats this is a, a going to be an ongoing program going forward um i'm we're going to we're bringing back the cmc and this is part of it we've been asked for <laughs> years and years now since 2018 when we did yeah. our last one mm-hmm. when's the next mm-hmm. cmc gonna be and part of our problem was that program failed because of its own success. It got big enough to the point where we couldn't manage it anymore. And it got big enough that the locations we needed to use became cost prohibitive mm-hmm. for us. You know, it, mm-hmm. it, it, I've been to five day business conferences. They're pretty rare. There aren't that many that go five days. I've been uh, to a sure. couple of them. Mm-hmm. I, I've never paid less than $10,000 for one. They're that expensive oh, to put for on. Sure. Yeah. Um, we were doing a five-day conference for eighteen hundred dollars. It, it. Yeah. It that was not a big margin for us. We put an awful lot of work into that program for for the money we made, and it it, it got to the point where at that we couldn't even make any money at that price anymore. And you know, we decided right. to take a break, rethink the whole program, try to come up with a way that we could keep moving forward. We, we loved the program. People loved it. They kept coming back. That was part of our problem. Uh, so we decided to rethink the whole thing. And then COVID hit. And 
live events went away. You know, we didn't know if they were coming back. Um, they're back, and we have an opportunity here now. Uh, what MidAmerica brings to this, partnering directly with them, is they will mm-hmm. really mm-hmm. help us control our expenses on this. This is just the business lesson we were talking about. You got to control what mm-hmm. you can control, and it's expenses. And we had to find a way to be able to put this program on at less expense. That was the only way we were going to be able to bring right. this back. So right. this is going to become a hybrid of a live and virtual program. So the live program part of it will be at mats this year, next year, and for the foreseeable future. And the virtual part will be all year with a couple of breaks just for my sanity. Uh, But I am going to start (laughs) teaching in this program. Now, here's the beauty of this. Um, CMC was certified master contractor. It's still going to be CMC, except now it's Certified Master Carrier. We're going to teach people from start to finish. Everything I've learned in the last 40 years of doing this is going to be put into this program. And you could never do that in a live program. Five days, I was on stage for 30 hours and still didn't cover half the material I had. Uh, So the (laughs) virtual part, doing this every week uh, or every other week or whatever the schedule actually turns out to be, Um, is going to allow us to teach a lot more in a very organized way. You know, I've used the word franchise to describe this program because Mm -hmm. in a lot of ways, that's what it is. You know, when when somebody finally starts selling a franchise, what most people don't realize is the original, we franchise restaurants a lot. That's one of the best examples. But the original restaurant may have been there for 30 years. And they have this system. They've just worked out everything about how to make money in this operation, how to provide really good food and service. And so then you just copy it. I mean, that's what a franchise was. Look, somebody figured out all the ways to make this work really well. Why reinvent the wheel? And and that's why franchises are so popular. That's why they're successful. Um, we're we're building a franchise program for a small carrier with one big exception in a true franchise you have almost no control you just have to accept their package the way it is you might look at something and go boy you know i like a lot of what they're doing but i could do so much better in this area right here i know a lot about this except in a franchise you can't they don't allow you to We're going to be the opposite. This program will show you exactly how to be the most successful one truck carrier you could possibly be, put out some of those profit numbers. We always talk about what's possible. And then when it's time and you choose, how do you expand that? How do you make it a two truck, a 10 truck, a hundred truck? I mean, it's a repeatable model and we're going to do that. The big difference here is we'll show you exactly how to do everything. We'll show you all the products, the services. We've vetted all this stuff, except you have total control. You don't have to do any of this if you don't want to, but if it's all there, you can see it, and then you can say, well, you know what? 90% of what's in that program is perfect. I would have never been able to do all that, but but this other 10% I've worked on this stuff, I know what I'm doing. I'm going to make my own decisions there. So I think this becomes like the ultimate franchise program for success. We'll show you exactly how to do it, but then you get to make all your own decisions. 
Yeah, it's going to be super exciting to do this, Kevin, because it's, um, there's a couple things. Uh, being able to do it at an, a more affordable cost uh, in, at Louisville, in Louisville, Kentucky, at the Mid-American Truck Show is one part of it. The other part of it is the, the, the increased value that the carrier attendee gets by not just the CMC being available, but also you can lead right into going to the Mid-America tr- tr- Truck Show and being able to see the new things that are out in the marketplace and really kind of go to a place that's familiar turf to them, you know, where you've got an easy place to park your truck. You've got uh, obviously hundreds and hundreds and thousands plus exhibitors to see things in the marketplace that, that, that you can find out how maybe to run your business more efficiently, more efficiently or just be around you know, you, you know the the trucking culture. So to me, it, it, there's a there's a benefit on both sides of it, where uh, this that, that that is probably the best time of year, location, and cost that a carrier can do to invest in their business. So to me, that's super exciting, man, because that's I mean, helping them be able helping a carrier be able to run their business and be able to do what they want to do, which is to be out there and drive the truck and deliver. The goods is, is something that is near and dear to my personal heart, near and dear to Truck Stop's heart. I know it's near. It's always been near to your heart. These things. So, so super excited about getting this to, to the show. This is the this is the beginning right here, right? So we're we're trying to kick this thing off and to get started. Um, we need we need people to show up. We want to make sure that 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 we're, we've got things organized where it'll be a benefit to them. But it all comes with people showing up and, and having an audience there to, to talk to and to help help them with their business. You know, you bring up a great uh, point about doing this every year at, at Louisville, all the advantages we talked yeah, about. And absolutely. then, you know, mm-hmm. think about this. So, again, uh, th- this whole program is going to outline exactly how you do this as a small carrier, which includes things like insurance and fuel cards and your load board and, and all those things. And, and you're right. We're going to teach you. Here's how you use the load board system at Truck Stop to maximize profit. And tomorrow you're yeah. going to be able to walk over to Truck Stop's booth and get your account set up and get trained. Yep. Yeah, amen. You got right there. You got high-level training right there for you. Gosh, man, I'm glad you brought that up. Yeah, fantastic. Training on products, training on uh, the business acumen, on how to set your business up for, from, from Let's Truck, uh, which, what you need to focus on, what's not as important to focus on. And then the idea of actually getting training right there, that's remarkable. Yeah. Yeah. And and all of our vendors, really, everybody that's a part of this program that we've put together over years and years, they'll all be there. Mm-hmm. I mean, that that's the beauty of mm-hmm. this. You're going to be able to accomplish so much in your time there. Now, um, just so people know, I, let's kind of go through what we know about our event right now. And, and I say that because we're still in the process of creating this. We Do we have a meeting today or tomorrow? Don't we have something coming up? I think it's tomorrow. Tomorrow. Okay. Yep. Um, mm-hmm. And then we, we're going to be having plenty of meetings with, um, with show management and Toby and getting that all done. So here's what we know now. Um, the Mid-America Trucking Show is Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. We will be doing a full day program on Wednesday. So the day before the right. truck show actually opens, this is in full conjunction with the Mid-America Truck Show, though. This is an official Mid-America Trucking Show event. It's the day before the show itself kicks off. We'll have a full day. 
Um, we'll probably do something fun in the evening, some sort of a reception mixer, get to know everybody, right. that kind of thing. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. Very possible on Thursday morning, we'll have another session that may be kind of an advanced session. I haven't really laid out all the material yet. Um, and we'll finish right. in time for them to leave this event with a plan and be able to execute a big part of that plan right at the show. To be able to spend the next couple days Mm -hmm. stopping over to ctruckstop.com, get your account set up, get training done, um, whatever it might be. You may be working with some of these vendors already. This will be another chance to to go kind of build that relationship. Um, And from then, this will become a year-long program. We'll be doing virtual We'll be back at Louisville again next year with the program. And next year may look different because that may be the final piece for somebody. You know, this this mm-hmm. truck show, we kick it off. Next year at Louisville, we may be graduating the first class. <laughs> Wouldn't that be fun? Yeah. Super exciting. Yeah, well, setting this thing, setting this thing up where you can come in and enjoy, uh, really get a benefit from both events with a full day on Wednesday, half day on Thursday, and then be able to roll, roll right into the show. It's going to be fantastic on both sides. And so just can't wait to get there to be able to put, uh, to, to, just to bring this to, to truckers in the market I mean, as, as a company, as a person. And, you know, I love owner-operators. My, my 15 years at Overdrive, I've, you, you, if, you, if you don't love owner-operators if you, when you work for Overdrive Magazine, there's something wrong with you, man. You, you, I just love, I fell in love working with them, love what they, what they mean to the American public and what they mean to our country. And so the idea that we could continue to help them kind of go, you know, we, we had, we, you and I worked with partners in business with Overdrive for a long time. It's really be, be, taking that and bringing it to like a, a real business acumen level is exciting. You know, partners in business is is a a big thing for me. We've talked about it. We've told the story Mm -hmm. of the first ever partners in business, which, by the way, was at Louisville, right? It was at Louisville. That's right. Absolutely. What what year was that? 1999. That's what I thought. 99. Yeah. Boy, I still remember that. So not... Yeah, not not yesterday. (laughs) (laughs) Not not yesterday. And... Partners and partners in business is still going on, right? It is, yeah. Uh, Overdrive continues to produce it, yeah. And uh, it's an excellent, it's an excellent uh, business, uh, you know, intro one hundred and one for owner operators. Yeah, and some of the history I've told these stories before. I, I after the first fiasco, um, and and I kind of finished the seminar, and uh, then Overdrive hired me to be the the presenter, and and I did that for years, and then right. ATBS came in. Um, I've told the story. Um, I, I love those guys, but they, they kind of pulled the rug out from under me on that one for a couple of years. Uh, but then we, in the last, I don't know, decade or so, uh, it's kind of been a joint. Uh, sometimes I present partners in business. Sometimes ATBS presents it. Some There were several truck stops where we both did it. There, there were multiple events and they presented some things and I presented some things. So I, I still love that program. No doubt about it. Uh, what I'm excited about with this one uh, is this one is more of my program. I mean, Partners in Business, the content right. was always kind of mine, um, but I, I didn't have a lot of control over times and events and it, several other things. Still a great program, but I, I'm much, much more excited about this one because 
uh, one, um, being an official part of the Mid-America Truck Show, not kind of an add-on. You know, th- this is more of a, we're really an integral part of, of the show now. Um, and we've got more flexibility. We've got more time. Part of our issue at truck stops with, or at truck shows with this program is, is sometimes they would only give you so much time in a room. And a, a lot of times right. it, it wasn't yeah. enough time. There, it wasn't set up well. Um, this is different. This one's being built from the ground up to be presented as part of the Mid-America Truck Show. Yeah, well, this is the, this is the remarkable thing, and this is where relationships matter. Kevin, you and I talk about this all the time. We encourage carriers to create good relationships, and relationships matter. You know, Toby Young, the, Toby Young is the, the third-generation part of the family that, own, that, that owns and operates Mid-America. There's other partners, but the Young family is the operating partner for Mid-America. They've been doing it since Toby's grandfather started the show. Yeah. So, you know, he's, he, that's how invested Toby Young is into the care, the, the owner-operator and the small carrier in the marketplace. He is committed to this and, and has been for a long time. And he actually approached you first and then me second saying, hey, I really want to create something unique or be a part of something unique that helps edu- helps educate owner operators to run their business as profitably as possible to, to, to help it to be successful for them and he said you know he, he talked to you first and he talked to me he said, what can we bring and which was a perfect timing for the cmc to you know the cmc cmc 2.0 you know the next version yeah. Of, C- of the cmc to bring come to the market to help to help owner operators and small fleets in the market. So, and wow, what a great opportunity to be able to do it at a place that's historic as the Mid-America Truck Show, what it means to trucking just in general, and what it means really to owner-operators, because the show was, was designed and built for owner-operators, it became much bigger than that, and is, but it is, it, at its core, is an owner-operator focused and supported show. I am, uh, I, I'm excited about it. We've been kind of teasing yeah, it man. on and off for a couple months now, and uh Really, last week was the final piece. I mean, we 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 got the buy-in yeah. from everybody. We found the budget. We every so now it's just a scramble. We realize we're a little late, but um, I'm excited about it. Part of the reason why I'm not too worried about us kind of being a little late to the game is all the experience we have at this. All the content yeah. already exists. I mean, the my work between now and the show is organizing the amount of content, what makes sense to present there at the show. But the entire year-long program, all the content exists. Um, a big piece of this that people have not seen ever. I mean, some people have seen the CMC, certainly the fuel mileage stuff, the maintenance stuff. I mean, I've taught this stuff for years. Um, part of this, though, is brand new. The, the whole part of the, the carrier side of this, becoming a carrier and doing it right. Not right. just how do you get your authority. That, that stuff's easy, and you're going to find that I'm going to tell you to pay somebody else to do all that anyway. It's not worth your time yeah. to deal with all that. <laughs> We're going to – here's contrarian again. Here's the contrarian thinking again. I know people that the minute they think about getting all their – getting their authority – they immediately start focusing on getting the authority part, the, the paperwork, the BOC3s, the insurance, right. and all that stuff's right. important, but you're only going to do it once. And 
you just need to do it right and then it's done and you'll never think about it again but yet that's what everybody spends their time on we're i'm going to tell you look I, I, we'll show you what has to get done but i'm going to tell you just pay somebody else to do it here's where we're going to focus we're going to focus on how you actually run that business successfully and that program is about 90% done. And that was a program that I did directly with truckstop.com. We put a lot of work into that part of it. Sure did. We sure did. I'll tell you, it's, uh, it's amazing. I learned a long time ago. If you make $50 an hour, don't do a $10 an hour job. Good point. So pay people, pay people that it's appropriate for what the job costs. So that's super important. Learned it a long, long, long time ago. And that, you know, if you're a successful, if you're a successful business operator as a carrier, you know, un- unless there's no other option, pay somebody to do that and, and you keep generating revenue at the point where revenue can be generated. Because if, if you're doing something else, you're not generating revenue. And so super, super important on that. Super important. Well, Kevin, I'm super excited about, about the CMC, the Let's Truck CMC 2.0 at, at, uh, at, at, at Mid-America, and so it's going to be a super great event for us and something we're going to be able to build on for a long time and the impact it's going to make on carriers. So, uh, man, it's, just thank you so much for your heart and wanting to bring this back to owner-operators. And, you know, Truck Stop's always there committed to you to, to help you do it. Well, I appreciate it. I know. I can't believe I just looked up the clock because uh, it sounded like you were yeah. trying to wrap things up. And I'm like, what's he doing? I looked at the clock. It's 930 already. Well, I know it. Well, you know, it's it's just, you know, when you got something good, man, things go fast. And anytime we can help owner operators, it always goes fast. Anytime we can do something meaningful like the CMC and and do accomplish some things that we'd like to accomplish, which are to help owner operators run their business, it always goes fast because, man, that's effortless. You know, it takes a lot to do it, but it feels effortless. So super excited about it, man. Yes, it, it, uh, I'm, I'm excited. So I just, it is official. I'm letting everybody know now this isn't a teaser anymore. This event is happening. Yeah. We don't have all the details yet. We, we will release them as we figure them out and, and get them. Um, but like I said, we, we've got all the pieces. We've all done this before. Uh, really, this this partnership is one of the best scenarios I could imagine. You, you described it earlier, all truck stops experience. You're, you and I have been doing this together since 99. I mean, we have been doing seminars like yep. this since 99. And now we, we really get the opportunity to build it our way as big as we want it. And we've got all the experience of Toby and his team. And I, I just can't imagine a, a better scenario for bringing the CMC back. So I'm excited about it. It's going to happen. We're telling you today so you can start making plans to be there. Yes, sir. Make plans and let's get it on. All Keep right. Sucking. All, All right, right Brett, pal. we'll let you get talk on you with soon. your day. I'm going to see if uh, if anybody wants to talk to me. If not, I'm going to wrap this up today and, and get on with my day because I've got a lot of material to put together. Fantastic, Kevin. Thanks for all you do to help on the man. You're the man. All right. Talk to you soon. And we will be doing Broker Connect again soon. I'm excited about that. All right. We we are going to uh, give you about a minute or so to dial in. Let me see if I had any topics I hadn't covered yet. Uh, If you want to jump in, now would be the time. If I don't get a call here, I will move on with my day. 319 five two seven six seven nine one 
So uh, I have got a lot of material to start uh, throughout the year. I don't have the schedule or all the details on that yet, but this will be an ongoing virtual program with the live event at MidAmerica every year. Now, the way I'm envisioning this, and, I, and again, I don't have all the details, is that you will have a live, when, when you sign up for the program, I'm trying to make it include a live event at the beginning, which would be the kickoff this year at MidAmerica, virtual training throughout the year, and then ending with another live event. So that's the model I've got in my mind now, and I've got to figure out how to lay that out and make that all work. The other thing I'm trying to work out is I'd like to make it so that there isn't just one cutoff date, and then if you miss that date, you would have to wait an entire year to get into this program. I'm going to figure out a way where if you decide you want to become a part of the program, but it's already started that, that you can join and catch up. And I think I have a way I can make that work. So those are some of the issues I'm going to be working on um, going forward. All right, we've got some calls, so I'm going to grab them. Um, we will be talking a lot about this um, going forward. Certainly a lot about it between now and mid-America, which is coming up really quick. Let's go to Washington. Arthur, welcome. Good morning. I got two questions for you. First one is regarding controlling business costs, as mentioned earlier. Uh, and my question is, would it be wise to start slash move a business to a different state that is more favorable? And the, uh, clarify that, what would be also the best state to start or move to uh, for that. And then the second question I have is regarding the classes. Is it possible for you to do something that's an online self-pace or to catch up uh, for those of us that can't quite make it uh, during those times? Yeah, let me answer that one first, because again, I'm, I'm still working through that, but the, the question is, is a good one. Um, one of the ideas is that every session now the big issue is whether or not we're going to be able to record this, the live session at Matt's this year. It's really expensive to do that. I, I would love to be able to do that. And if we can, we will. I'm not sure if we can pull it off this time with the cost and the time limits we have. But if not, there will be a, an online self-paced way to catch up with whatever that material was. I, I would love it if it's just a, a, a recording and you can actually watch the event the way it happened. If that doesn't happen, I will create something that, that covers that material. And one of my ideas to make it so that people can join not just one hard cutoff date, every virtual session will absolutely be recorded. And there will be a program where if you want to join in, you know, in the middle or at some point, there will probably be a cutoff. Maybe not. I don't know that all of the material would be there for you to go through at your own pace and catch up. Is that does that help you? Yeah, that'd be great. OK. Yeah, Good. like a master class or a Skillshare type online platform. That would be great. Correct. And and we might even be able to work in some aspects of our coaching program to help people get caught up as well. So I, there's a couple things I'm thinking about there. Um, 
What was your question about expenses? The first one? No, I forgot. Uh, related to related to the expense controlling expenses, wh- what would be uh, more ideal to open or move? Oh yes, and that's or right. move a business it, to a right a more conducive business state. I, I actually have a lot of experience with this because I've moved my business all over the country. Um, I, I am a, a believer in if you are going to be in business. You need to be willing to do things to make that business successful that other people may not be. Um, I I come from a big, close family. I'm the youngest of seven. I am the only one who ever left the area we grew up in. My entire family is still there. They're all still very close. Um, I left early, and I've been wandering around the country for a couple decades. And I left for the exact reason you just described. I was looking at my operation in Northeast Ohio, small fleet, and I was looking at my expenses. Uh, I realized that January and February were my most expensive months to operate. And it was because of the severe weather. Fuel mileage goes down, maintenance cost goes up, downtime goes up. That weather had an impact on my profit. There was another impact. that part of the country is heavily unionized in trucking and that affects the labor rates there and i looked at all of my cost what it was costing me to have drivers what the winter weather was costing me their taxes were higher in ohio and i looked around and said where could i operate this exact same business at a lower cost And I had a little bit more of a challenge because my business model was all of my trucks were leased to FedEx. The good news Mm -hmm. is FedEx has terminals all over the country. And I started looking around and I I settled on Charlotte and Jacksonville at the time. And I did all the work and crunched all the numbers um, and ultimately decided on moving the trucks to Jacksonville. And I did. Now, the interesting thing was the very first day I showed up down there to go to work, I was told that they were already they had just broken ground on an orlando terminal which would be done in a year and then everything would move so i I just moved and on day one realized i've only got a year here i'm gonna have to move again um but it was it was a really good decision for me to make my profit went up opportunities went up a lot of good things happened so I, i do believe there are times where especially in trucking it's not like we, it wasn't like I had a really strong local market that I was leaving. I mean, the freight's all over the country. You can get freight anywhere. Um, if you had a trucking company and you had really good freight relationships, you know, I might think twice. But most trucking operations could actually move without having hardly any impact on revenue at all. But you can have an impact on your expenses. Now, the next question about what state, that's not an easy answer. That would be a, an issue right. I would work through somebody with on coaching because it's, it's a multi-step. We need lots of other information. What expenses are we trying to lower? Where, obviously, moving from Ohio to Florida, the, my weather issues almost disappeared completely. You know, the, there, there wasn't a whole lot of weather that really interfered with anything running out of Florida. Maybe a hurricane or two here and there in, in many years, not even that. So where to move to is a much more 
in-depth question and there's a lot of factors to consider so that would be if somebody said hey look I, I, I listened to you talking about expenses. I, that makes sense to me. How do I do it? Where do I go? That's not something I can answer in a couple minutes on this show. You know, I could say one of the best states to run a business out of when it comes to things like taxes and registration and simplicity is actually South Dakota. But South Dakota isn't famous for a whole lot of freight. So, so you got to decide, you know, does that make sense? Certainly I could lower my expenses, but is there enough freight there that I could maintain my revenue? So that, that second part of that question is, is more in-depth and requires a lot more time and information. Okay. So I guess I'll just have to sign up for uh, the coaching to get a little bit more deep dive into it with you then. Yeah, that's something, you know, honestly, the coaching, it's almost unlimited. As long as you're in the program, we'll keep working on it. So that might be something we spent, you know, two or three months on. Right. Okay. Well, that's all I have for now. All right. Thanks for the call. Yeah, the, um, that's a big part of why we created the coaching program, because there were topics that I would love to be able to help more people with. Uh, there's just not enough time on the radio show for a lot of these things. It's just not a good format for that. And um, there is a cost to providing that kind of in-depth uh, information and, and help and assistance and mentoring. And uh, Brent mentioned this earlier. Um, if you can generate $50 an hour, stop doing $10 an hour jobs. Um, honestly, in our operation, depending on where I spend my time, I could generate $100 an hour. And for me to try to tell a, a small carrier, hey, look, I'll help you, but I'm going to charge you $100 an hour. That, that's pretty cost prohibitive. I, I've even mentioned up to $500 an hour. Um, the group coaching was the idea that allowed us to, to get this out to a lot more people at a very, very reasonable cost. Not $100 an hour or $250 an hour. Um, it's actually $72 a month. And in that month, you get four group coaching sessions to ask your question. And I, I will work with you on whatever issue you've got for as long as you're in that program. It could be financial planning. It could be your retirement accounts, your budget, getting a business started, expanding your business, improving your business. We do health coaching. Uh, and the $72 a month gets you four coaching sessions every month, two business, two health. You get to cover whatever you want for as long as you want to work on it. Uh, head on over to letstrucktribe.com if you want to sign up for that coaching. We've got a, a Coaching call this week, Thursday. All right, let's uh, let's go to Mississippi. Mark, welcome to the program. Hey, so on Friday y'all were talking about percentage of fuel to revenue. Yes. So, uh, okay, mine was uh, last year was nineteen point eight two, nineteen point eight three. I rounded it up. Now I gotta let everybody know that you are a car hauler, so. Um, We've certainly heard lower numbers than that from general freight providers, but um, we have a couple numbers starting to come in from car haulers, which I absolutely love. We're going to do more of this. Part of this program going forward is, is sharing more um, you know, financial numbers, more best practices kind of thing. Um, Paul, 
Everybody hears Paul all the time. Um, Paul actually shared his results with Matt and said it was okay to uh, to share them here on the air. Paul's fuel is 22.6% of revenue. So it starts to give us an idea of, of where you can be with some of these numbers, fuel being the most important. Um, and different operations are going to be all over the board. They have different revenue. They have different expenses. Here, here's what we mean when we say fuel is 22.6% of revenue. Or give me your number again. 19 what? Not- Okay. Here's what that means in in something that will make more sense to people. For every dollar of revenue you generate, every dollar that comes in the door, every dollar that somebody pays you, you know you have to spend, let's just call it 20 cents on fuel. That's what we're saying. When we say this expense is this percent of revenue, The reason we use that metric and that way of measuring it rather than cost per mile, we use both. But when we talk about this, we talk about it because it's easier to understand this in your head because everything is based on a dollar. If you bring in a dollar of revenue, you spend 20 cents on fuel. You spend seven cents on maintenance or or whatever somebody's number would be. Um, Our business report in profit gauges calculates this for you all the time on every expense so if you use our accounting program which is drop dead simple to use you all you have to do is pull up your business report and look at it and you'll know exactly what your percentage of revenue is on every expense and again it makes more sense because it's all in a dollar. I mean, I can do the math in my head. I can look at that and go, oh, well, here's an easy one. Um, You're spending 20 cents out of every dollar on fuel. That means after you've paid for fuel, now out of your dollar, you only have 80 cents left. Now, how much is maintenance gonna cost? How much is insurance costing us? And what's left over? What's our profit? So we use cost per mile and, and expense per mile and revenue per mile, but we also use what percentage of every dollar you earned is going towards what expense? And that's what we're talking about here. Yeah, well, my, my bill was 80276 and revenue was 404842 There you go. And, and you just do the math and you come up with the 19.86%, whatever that well, number was. Uh, and that is a great number to know. Now, now we know when we look at our bottom line, we know how much of every dollar we're keeping after we pay all the bills. And, and you know, Paul and I use the same bookkeeper, and, and the reports we get coming around, it actually, she puts that on there, for the same percentage for everything on there. So it, it comes in our, our uh, end, of the, end of the month statement or, Perfect. you know, uh, profit and lost. So uh, anyway, uh, I, I looked on there and I saw that number and I said, I think she calculated it for me. And so I, then I ran the numbers like, yep, it's right there on the uh, uh, the P&L. So she, she every probably, month. I'm just going to make a guess. She probably uses QuickBooks to do the reporting. She does. Yeah. I, I and, and this is how I learned how powerful percentage of revenue is. I started using QuickBooks the very first day that program came out on the market in like the late 90s. 
Um, and I, I, when I first started using it, I started building reports in there. And I noticed this column I could add called percentage of revenue. And I started looking at it and saying, well, that's a really valuable number. So when, like I said, we took all of the good stuff out of QuickBooks because I had used it for years to, to not only track my own expenses on my own trucks, but at one point I had 1,800 um, clients that I was doing books for. It was like your bookkeeper, I, I only did owner-operators and small carriers, and I was using QuickBooks to do it. And we took all the best stuff out of QuickBooks and then went and built profit gauges and made it about 10 times better. But that, that column percentage of revenue, I really learned that by using QuickBooks. Well, percentages, it's like the, one of that time I called you and told you, hey, I've got this number here and I'm paying 28 cents a mile on all miles to this dispatch service and you like fell out of your chair. Right. But it's like when I calculated it out and broke it out to what it came out to as a percentage and looked at it as a cost per mile, I about fell out, I about fell over. And it's like, that's why numbers are so powerful. When you present them a certain way, you, it, it tells a different story. Yeah. You know, 8% might not look like much, but when you take 8% out of, uh, out of uh, revenue per mile and you take that out of there, it, 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 it can stand out. So it, it, that's, yeah. Really good point. That's exactly right. Sometimes we absolutely focus on cost per mile. And cost per mile in accounting is unique to trucking. Now, there are probably some other industries that use it, but not many. It's a very unique thing. And I've said for years, this is one of the reasons why I left QuickBooks and designed our own program. I don't care what you do to hack QuickBooks. You can't get cost per mile out of it. You have to export your data and then write a spreadsheet or come up with some other way of calculating it. And it's, it's cumbersome and complicated. And, um, but there is power in using both cost per mile and percentage of revenue. And, and that's why our business report has three columns. Um, real um, money. This is in dollars. You can see you spent this many dollars on fuel. Then the next column is, this is what it costs you per mile to buy fuel. And then the next column is, this is your percentage of revenue for fuel. All three of those numbers are important. And different expenses I will interpret differently using those three numbers. I got another number for you. And it's somebody, I haven't been able to figure mine out because I'm still trying to figure it out in Fleet One, how to pull it out of there. But this person uses, he's a car hauler, and he uses uh, the Nastic card. You want to know what his fuel, fuel saving was last year? How much? Just over $14,000 a year using that card. So what's the, um, what's the membership fee annually? Isn't it $250 a year? It is. So what's the return on investment? When you invest $250 and save $14,000, it, it's way too big for me to even try to calculate in my head. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And people will try to say, oh, well, you got this little fee here or whatever, but the, the amount you save off of it is just astronomical. Well, what, what we're talking about here, all of this tweaking and, you know, in this expense, we use cost per mile. In this one, we use percentage of revenue. If we want to lower this expense, we're going to get this program. Uh, 
that's what the the whole CMC is about now. Everything, all of this, all the factoring information I've tried to put out for years, the cost cutting, the revenue building, the relationship building, um, all of this is is going to be a part of this program. And this is the difference. You know, when when we highlight like your operation and how profitable it is, uh, Paul's operation, I know we haven't gone through a lot of his numbers we do matt's all the time because matt's always willing to share his numbers Um, more and more lately we've been doing more of this and it's pretty incredible when you when you look at what's going on in the industry right now we are losing more small carriers i think than any other time in history people just absolutely losing their business going out of business losing their authority Uh, many of them losing their trucks many of them will go bankrupt And at the exact same time, we also have single truck owner operators making more money than I have ever seen. So what does that tell you? I mean, that that tells you that there are lots of ways to do this better. And, you know, and it's like I've I've told you before, it took took me eight years to make money at this or figure it out, you know, and to quit drinking in the process. But, you know, I still can't believe when I look at things that I'm doing this well. And I'm not saying that. You know, this number's just a brag. I'm saying it that I started out a really bad way. Right. And it took me a long time to get, and, and, and about 10 business changes over the years, in eight years, to like, this isn't working, this isn't working, but it, I've got to change or it's just going to all go away. And it's like, you know, it, it, it can be done, and it's, and it's, there's a lot, it takes a lot of work and it takes, you know, it's not just physical work, but it's like, you have to figure things out, what works and what doesn't work. And you make mistakes that cost you, I mean, you make mistakes that cost you money and yes. somehow, and and it's like, you never know when that's going to happen. So you just, you got to roll with the punches basically and then figure it out. Well, you know, and, and the process that you give everybody to follow, it does work, you know, and it's like. The people that, that sit there and say, well, it doesn't work, they just understand. You know, that I, I've said it before, I'll say it again. you got people out there that think like a businessman, and you got the people in this industry that think like a, like a company driver. And they're, they're trying to be an owner-operator, but they still have that mentality that they're a company driver, and they think like that, and they complain about things. And, you know, I just this morning, you know, I, uh, well, last night I laid over in New Orleans, well, Two people, two people are coming into my main customer that's never in, and I thought, well, the last time for Christmas I took them a bunch of pies, so I, I sent them two king cakes from New Orleans, and you know, just as a sign of thank you, you give me, you're giving me business, and I'm gonna do a really good job for you, and I give them emails and let them update, update where I'm at. I let them know what I'm, where I'm at, what I'm we doing, and they give me loads, and it's like. You know, and I call them. I say, you're my customer. I'll do whatever you need me to do. I don't care how many stops you give me. And I know people, that's all they do is complain about, oh, there's so many stops. Oh, I had to go here. <laughs> just, just don't worry about the mule being blind. Just load the wagon. There you go. Love it. All right, Mark, well, good stuff. We will uh, we'll talk to you again soon. We are going to head to uh, Georgia. Nick, welcome to the program. Hey, Kevin, how you doing, buddy? Good. What can I help you with today? My wife and I are fixing to put everything in storage and move full-time into our RV. Okay. So we can pretty much 
place our vehicle where the freight is good at all times. You know, if I if it's running good in the south, I'll move it down south. So, and I just want to know what your feelings are on domiciling in uh, South Dakota. Um. I'm a big believer in this. This is another strategy to lower expenses, and we talk a lot about lowering expenses. Absolutely. The the last caller where I talked about moving the business, there's two ways we can look at this, and I'm glad you asked the other way. He was actually asking about physically moving the, the operation from one state to another, which is what I did. I, I, I physically wanted to run my trucks out of a different location to lower expenses, wages, the, the, the maintenance costs because of the weather, those kind of things. There is another strategy we can use in trucking that you're talking about. We don't have to move the entire operation to get some of the benefits that could come from being domiciled in another state. And that's what you're talking about here. And South Dakota is one of the best. And South Dakota even has companies that help you do this. You sign up with them and they handle all of this. And they'll collect your mail. And, I mean, they do all kinds of things. Um, And if you're in... Yeah, they... they, Go ahead. Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, I was going to say they they collect your mail and they process it for you. And if something comes over that's important, they'll, they'll send it over to you. And they'll shred the stuff that you don't want and... It's a very good setup. I mean, it's just, I've been researching the crap out of it, and it just, I, I don't see a negative, a downside to this. Um, there really isn't. You know, and, and there's been different versions of this in trucking for a lot of years. There was a time where I was, my trucks were domiciled in Florida, but all of them were titled in Oklahoma because it was the lowest cost of registration uh, was to title your trucks in Oklahoma. And Oklahoma had companies that would do this for you. They provided the address. They would go handle all the paperwork and get your vehicles registered for you. And I saved a ton of money doing this. Well, unfortunately, a bunch of other states got pissed off that they were losing all this revenue to Oklahoma and they sued Oklahoma and Oklahoma had to stop doing that. Um, but this idea of domiciling in a state like South Dakota, your state income tax goes away completely, which is another reason, by the way, Absolutely. when I was deciding to move from Ohio, which Ohio not only has a state income tax, Ohio has a local income tax. I used to have to pay fill out three different tax returns and write three different checks every year. I had to fill out a federal tax return and write them a check. I had to fill out an Ohio state tax return and write them a check. I had to fill out a city or local income tax return and write them a check. And when I moved the operation to Florida, South Carolina is two of those taxes went away completely. My state income tax just went away. I just don't have to pay it anymore. And my local income tax went away, and I don't have to pay it anymore. All that money goes right into my pocket. So in trucking, there are opportunities like this if you understand how to use the system. Yeah. So I I think that's the road I'm going to be venturing down. Perfect. Hopefully, hopefully they don't want all the whiners won't screw South Dakota out of that. So uh, yeah, I haven't seen that yet. I, I haven't seen any uh, any issue with that. And here's the thing: based on the way these companies do it in South Dakota, 
they would have a very hard time shutting this down. Now, it was easy to say, look, you live in Florida. Your trucks are domiciled in Florida. We're not going to let you title them in Oklahoma. That, that was an easy law to kind of create. But if I say, look, I live in South Dakota. How do you now say I don't? How do you shut this thing that South Dakota, that they've got going on? How do you shut that one down? You really can't. Yeah. I'm telling you, I'm going to move to South Dakota. So there's there's nothing about this you could change. Yeah. Plus, I'm in an RV, so they can't really say exactly. anything, you know. Right. Where's your house at? My house is hooked onto my pickup truck, you know. <laughs> hey, I, I will tell you, um, when you live full time in an RV, we did it for three years. You can run into conflicts. I would get pulled over here in Oregon, um, and we, we started spending a lot of time here, but we were still full-time RV, and, and they would say, why do you have a California driver's license? Well, I have to have somebody's license, and I don't live anywhere. W- what do you mean you don't live anywhere? W- well, I'm a full-time RVer. I move all over. Uh, whose license am I supposed to have? Because every time I get pulled over in some state, you tell me I should have this state, but I don't live here. It's crazy. I yeah. don't think I'd have that issue so much domiciling, you know, because I'm going to have a physical address. Exactly. And that address right. is going to be on my registrations and everything. The base plates in South Dakota are very reasonable. Yep. All um, your... Insurance is actually cheaper than where I'm at. So. Yep. Insurance costs go my, down. Uh, all of your other vehicle registration, personal vehicles are really cheap to register in South Dakota, too. It's like. $65 a year up to 10 years old and then uh, and no smog test, no none of right. that crap. Right. Yeah. So, no, it, it, it's a great plan. A lot of benefits. And like you said, I, I can't think of a single downside. Yeah. Hey, I'm very excited about your uh, CMC thing. You guys are going to be firing up. Um, I was on the fence of going to the mid America, but I, I'm there now. So, Fantastic. I'm definitely going to go. Fantastic. And we're, so, we're really excited. I've been talking about how we're going to bring the CMC back, and um, nothing was really working. It was cost prohibitive. We um, we just weren't able to, to figure out a good path forward with the program until, like uh, Brent said, Toby called me up and said, hey, we're going to start making some changes to the Mid-America Truck Show. We want more education. Um, and we'd really like you to be the uh, the owner-operator small carrier uh, arm of that education for us. And the more and more I got thinking about it, the more I thought this will be the per- perfect opportunity to relaunch CMC 2.0. Perfect place. You're going to have a gazillion owner-operators there. Yes. So, and why all of them wouldn't go to your show, I, it's beyond me. Now, just so know? everybody knows, so. I, I don't think I said this because I don't have all the details yet. Um, a lot of times when people hear, oh, it's a seminar at the truck show, those are usually free, um, but those are usually one hour and they're usually sponsored by somebody and that's where the money comes from. Um, I've done three yeah. hour seminars at, at truck shows where they're sponsored, always free to the attendees. This one is not. This is a paid program. Oh, I'm absolutely okay with that. Yeah, I, I don't have a I'm cost yet. I'm absolutely okay with that. And here's another issue I'm, I've got to work on pretty quickly. So this program will be a live event at the beginning, a year of virtual training, and a live event at the end. 
So there, there's going to be a price okay. for that. It's bigger than the CMC used to be. Now, I believe we're going to be able to keep the cost oh, down. That's the, whole, the whole point of that. Uh, now, I'm, I'm still here. Uh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Here's, I got here's what I'm also trying to figure out. I would also want to come up with a price if you're not sure you want to be in the whole year-long program a price just to attend at Louisville this year. So that would obviously be a much lower price if you want to just attend this first event and then decide, is this big program for you or not? So that's one of the details I've got to that try to figure sense. out. Yeah. So I'm, I'm hoping... You might get a lot more people showing up for that. Yeah, I'm hoping there's going to be two options. One, you can sign up for the, the big program. And if you do, there's going to be an incentive... It's going to be cheaper if you can just commit to it right from the beginning and sign up for the whole year. But if you're not sure and you want to come and see what the program is all about, we'll have a, a much lower price to just come to that first event at Louisville and see what it's all about. Yeah. Hey, uh, one more question. I'll sure. leave you alone. I promise. The, at the Louisville, I've never been there before, and okay. I want to bring my truck and trailer. Do they have parking available? They do. They have lots and lots okay. of parking, and then they... Uh, showers? Oh, you know what? I've never... Showers? So the parking has changed since the last time I've been there. They used to do it at uh, Papa John Stadium, but they've moved it somewhere else, and I don't know the details of what all is available there. I would have to believe that it's on the website, um, and we will get yeah. those details, okay. too. Since we're putting on a big event, um, we will get more involved in that. We'll be able to tell people about parking and all that. That's, uh, that's all the stuff we've got to get up to speed on. Yeah, because I saw on the website that TA is going to be involved, and you can use your points there and stuff. So I'm assuming they're going to have, like, a shower trailer or something, you know. They I, they they usually do things pretty well at this show, and, and um, they've been making some improvements. So I, I'm looking forward to the show this year. Uh, you know, they went through a rough couple of years with COVID, and the show didn't go on at all. That That's kind of a big deal. Um, you take yeah. a show that sometimes has, I think, attendance. It's like 60,000 at this show. Uh, maybe even 80,000 some years, if I remember right. That's a big, big deal. And to not have that for a couple years. So that was when Toby and, and the management team kind of took a step back. Same thing we did with the CMC and said, you know, it's kind of a new world now. How do we reinvent this this um, program and make it better? And that was part of why they reached out. They want to expand the education. They want to have more trucking-related stuff going on in Louisville that week. So, you know, almost everybody in trucking tries to get to Louisville at some point. I've been going for... I don't know, 40 years now, something close to that. Um, a lot. I, I started going your to age. the event before I ever, when I was just an owner-operator and owned trucks, I started going because I lived in Ohio. Louisville wasn't that far of a drive. Um, so they kind of have reinvented the show. Uh, so there's a lot of new stuff going on down there. But it, every year I've been there, I mean, it, I've been to a lot of truck shows over the years, a lot of different places. Most of them have disappeared. Uh, not only is this the biggest one, but it's always been the best run. Yeah. 
Okay. Um, I lied. I got one more thing to throw at you. Is <laughs> okay. that okay, or do you need to let me go? No, go ahead. Um, I was full-blown diabetic up to about two years ago, and I started following your program, and I was on the one-year card. Okay. Right? I was only getting a card every year. Every year is a pain in the ass. Yeah, it is. Uh, finally got my blood sugars in under control, and my doctor took a bit, but I got her to say that I'm no longer diabetic. Excellent. And I got a two-year card. I'm 60 years old, and I got a two-year card. Congratulations. I love those stories. So, yeah. Fantastic. All right, anyway. let's, do, let's do that with your business now. Hello? Oh, I'm sorry. No, you're back. Go ahead. Okay. I, I, you said something. I didn't hear what you said. Oh, yeah. I said, congratulations. I love those stories. Let's, let's take that same approach and do that to your business now. Yeah, absolutely. Perfect. I, it, my business is pretty good, but it, it's very good, but I can improve. There you go. I can definitely improve. So Love that. Okay. All right, Nick. Good talking Thanks, to buddy. you. We, uh, we're going to wrap this up for today. Uh, great stuff. We will be back here tomorrow for the Power Hour. Let me see if I have any announcements I'm supposed to be making today. Uh, I don't see any, um, so I'll make up my own. Um, normal schedule this week, as far as I can tell. Um, I think we're through the worst of the weather-related events. Now what we have to worry about is some uh, some flooding um, and finding out if we have any burst pipes anywhere. Um, there's been a lot of that going on. Um, I monitor a, a emergency scanner most nights here, and I was just shocked at how many um, calls have been going out the last couple of nights over burst pipes. And like out at the farm, I'm going to have to head out there today because it might be getting warm enough now that I'll know if we... Wait, there is one burst pipe out there that I know of. I had to turn off the water, but there could possibly be more. So now we've got uh, the rest of the week to worry about ice damming, some flooding, and possibly broken pipes. But normal schedule here on the air. The rest of my time um, is going to be dedicated to getting ready for... The relaunch of CMC 2.0, Certified Master Carrier. So uh, Wednesday, Destination Health. Thursday, a free-for-all and rolling tow. Friday, a free-for-all and uh, trucking technology and efficiency. So we'll see you then. Be safe, be profitable, be fit and healthy. Always do the hard work and master the journey.